Welcome into the edition of Main Street Sports today. I'm Maurice Patton along with Wade Neely here as we get you through a Tuesday afternoon chock full of sports topics to talk about, and we'll be talking about them all. It's Top 5 Tuesday here as we come to you from the Lee Company studios of our, well, <laughs> okay, so I'm at home. Wade is, Wade is really remote because he, he's not at his home and he's not in the studio in Columbia, but part of Wade's duties include play-by-play. Is that right? Is that, is that your, is yes, sir. Play or are you color? Okay. Wade provides play-by-play um, for Giles County boys and girls basketball on Pulaski Citizen Live on Facebook. And tonight, the Lady Bobcats and Bobcats are playing at Murfreesboro Central. So you can see them there. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock. And so Wade is posted up somewhere in the borough. Which gives Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in the... I'm in the borough, and ironically, I got to give a quick shout out. I'm staying at my good friend Hunter Lee, Hunter Lee's house today. So I thought it was very fitting uh, that we are in the Lee Company, very mobile, but still in the Lee Company uh, mobile studios, nonetheless. Absolutely, and and you are in the borough, which gives you something in common with one of our guests today, as we will be chatting later, as we do typically on Tuesdays, with the Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters as he brings us up to date on what's going on in and around the campus of Middle Tennessee State University. So we'll be checking in with him in the second hour. Later in this hour, in the next segment, in fact, we will be visiting with Heather Williams, who I'm sure is all fired up for Super Bowl 58, but also we're going to talk to her about a little NASCAR and um, this weekend's events and what's happening, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after down in florida so um wade i caught you on the tail end of your pulaski citizen wrap-up that um will be part of mornings on main street southern middle tennessee edition and you were talking about the bobcats and things have kind of been inconsistent for them i guess over the course of this season yeah, it's been up and down. You know, this is a team that uh, made it to the state semifinals last year, and there was a lot of reason for optimism with a lot of returning talent. And they started off great, but they have been inconsistent at best the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you're an optimist, though, uh, the good news is Giles County has lost a lot of close games, including two games last week that were decided at the buzzer. And uh, they've now lost, I think, uh, five of their last losses have come by something like 24 points total. Uh, they have really been kind of snake bit lately. So a uh, chance to win. They got a win last week versus Magnet at home, and they'll have a chance to do it again tonight here. It is just on the road. So you feel like they might be in a position to turn some things around and get some of those close games going in their favor here in the next bit. You know, and that's that's the interesting thing is when you watch the team play, you can see the talent is there. Uh, and the talent does execute for three of the four quarters more often than nights. But that one quarter, that one little three or four minute lull has been just what has done them in the last couple of ball games, uh, especially in those two cl- close losses last week. So if they can turn around, the good news is you can see the talent, like I said, there. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together. And uh, I suppose they're due for a hot streak. Maybe the last week of the season and into postseason is just what they need. 
There you go. Speaking of high schools, Wade, we probably shouldn't get too much further into the show before we give the people yesterday's results and today's schedule on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. In high school girls basketball action from Monday night, Coffee County with a 61-25 win over Spring Hill. Cornersville defeated Cullioka 51-21. It was Harpeth Hall in a nail-biter, 31-30 over Father Ryan. Green Hill defeated Gallatin 58-54. Cheatham County with a 46-31 win over Harpeth. Houston County defeated Hollow Rock Brewston 59-42. The Webb School with a 57-33 win over Lipscomb Academy. Murfreesboro Central, 47, Moore County, 25, Columbia Central, 54, Shelbyville, 42, Stewart's Creek with a 68-18 win over Laverne, Sycamore down Creekwood, 43-40, Pleasant View Christian with a 62-17 win over Victory Baptist, and Wilson Central defeated Trousdale County, 59-41. In boys basketball last night, it was Coffin County knocking off Spring Hill by the score of 55-26. Cornersville wins a nail-biter 48-45 over Cullioka. Mount Juliet Christian takes care of Day Spring Academy. 91 points in the win there. 91 to 50 is your final. NBA 63, Father Ryan 60. Another close game last night. Frank Hughes knocks off Hampshire 66 to 46. Green Hill defeats Gallatin 63 to 55. It was Cheatham County 68, Harpeth 49. Houston takes care of Hollow Rock Brewston, Houston County, that is. 80 to 39 was the score there as Houston County gets the win. Central Magnet, we just mentioned, but the ladies got a nice win. The boys followed suit, 72 to 29, your final uh, for the Tigers over Moore County. Pope John Paul II, 84, CPA 56. Stewart's Creek takes care of Laverne, 53 to 51. Creekwood was a 62-27 winner versus Sycamore, and White House knocked off Portland to cap our boys' high school last night. 69 to 65. A couple of bonus scores. These are college women's basketball uh, showdowns last night. It was Alabama knocking off Vanderbilt 74 to 66. UT Southern, much needed win. The Firehawks claimed a win on the road last night versus Welch 74 to 50, uh, 44 uh, was your score there. That game actually was played in Pulaski. Sorry. All right. Tonight's high school basketball schedule. These are all double headers. Girls playing at six, boys after. Rockvale is at Blackman. Page goes to Brentwood. Okay. <laughs> this is not a doubleheader because Harpeth Hall is at Brentwood Academy at six. That's girls only. Um, McGavick goes to Cane Ridge. Centennial hosting Nolansville. Clarksville Northeast is at Clarksville. Henry County goes to Clarksville Northwest. Hickman County visits Columbia. Christ Presbyterian hosting Ensworth. Stewart's, Stewart County goes to Creekwood. Clarksville Academy is at Donaldson Christian. East Nashville hosting Kip of Nashville. Ezel Harding hosting Davidson Academy. St. Cecilia Academy girls are going to Father Ryan. That's a 5 o'clock start, and that will also be girls only. University School of Nashville is at Franklin Road Academy. I believe that is a tournament quarterfinal game in District 3 of Division 2A. Also a tournament quarterfinal game there as Columbia Academy's girls go to Grace Christian. Again, that's girls only. Six o'clock tip there. Green Hill is at Gallatin in doubleheader action. Station Camp goes to Greenbrier. Fairview is at Harpeth. Hendersonville hosting Beach. Victory Baptist is at Hendersonville Christian. Antioch goes to Hillsboro. Hollow Rock Brewston is at Houston County. Hollow Rock Hollow 
Rock Brewston is at Houston County. Overton goes to Hunter's Lane. Merrill Hyde is at Joe Burns and Kenwood hosting Dixon County. Yeah, a bit of a tongue twister there. Hollow Rock Brewston nope, no. at Houston and County. Houston. Say that three times fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did get to say it once. Brewston at Houston. Uh, mm, I love it. Yeah, uh, more school, more games still to come on the docket tonight. West Creek travels to Kirkwood. It'll be East Robertson visit not visiting Knowledge Academies. Marshall County uh, will take on Lawrence County. Should be a really good show down there between those two eight AAA rivals. Pearl Cone is at Lee Academy. Summertown will travel to Lewis County. Pope John Paul II is at Lipscomb Academy. Hume Fogg will visit Maplewood this evening. Lawson travels to Martin Luther King. BGA visits Middle Tennessee Christian. It'll be Waverly at Montgomery Central. Loretto takes on Mount Pleasant tonight. Giles County, as mentioned, is here in Murfreesboro versus Central Magnet. Friendship Christian travels to Nashville Christian. White House will visit Portland. Independence will hit the road tonight for a trip versus Ravenwood. White's Creek will travel to Republic. Cullioka is at Richland in a 10A showdown tonight. Oakland travels to Riverdale. Hampshire will visit Santa Fe. Spring Hill is at Shelbyville. Mount Juliet at Siegel this evening. Cookville will take a quick little jaunt on 40 down to Smyrna, uh, traveling west. Cookville uh, coming down tonight. Rossview will take on Springfield. Merrill Hyde will visit STEM Academy tonight. It'll be Lebanon at Stewart's Creek. Franklin visits Summit tonight. Liberty Creek is at Sycamore. Glencliff will travel to Valor Collegiate. Smith County will hit the road versus Watertown. Macon County is at Westmoreland. And last game on our schedule is Laverne at Wilson Central this evening. Okay. Again, girls basketball only tonight. St. Cecilia is at Father Ryan. That game will tip at 5 o'clock. At 6 at Brentwood Academy, Harpeth Hall will play, followed by NBA's boys in Brentwood Academy at 7.30. Men's basketball. Traditionally a big game at Memorial Gym tonight. Tonight, not so much, probably. But Kentucky coming off back-to-back losses at Memorial against the Commodores. That's a 7.30 tip on SEC Network. Might be worth tuning in just to see how pissed off the Wildcats are. Anyway, women's basketball action. Thomas Moore is at Rebecca, 5.30 tip there. And in the association, the Grizzlies go to Madison Square Garden, taking on the Knickerbockers of New York. That's a 6.30 tip. That is your rundown. top story brought to you as always by piggly wiggly over in neely's mill here in columbia or down in columbia today be sure and visit them for your delicious deli lunch options um meat and threes sandwiches the whole bunch check that out also hand cut meats plenty of selections there and everything is cost plus 10 at the register so again be sure and check out piggly wiggly at Neely's Mill over in Columbia. Um, Donaldson Christian Wade had a football coaching vacancy as Paul, and I, Paul Wade, I went blank on his name. Paul Wade had left to take the Brentwood Academy position. The Wildcats hired one of their own, former Donaldson Christian quarterback and 2000 graduate Jay Pierce has been named to succeed Paul Wade as coach of the Wildcats. Um, comes to them from 
Blackman, where he had been coaching middle school over there, previously had served as a head coach at East Robertson for three years. And so he's back in the high school ranks and pretty excited to be there, according to the article on MainStreetPreps.com, where we have coverage of this. Getting to interview for my dream job and being back at DCA was a blessing in itself. Being offered the job has been a lifelong dream come true. This tradition-filled school and football program became home and an extended family for myself and my family in 1996. I believe in everyone and everything DCA stands for. I'm excited to continue the traditions of the coaches before me, and I'm happy to be home. So, Donaldson Christian has a coach. Got a coach and got a coach they're obviously uh, familiar with, and you can't put a price sometimes on going back home. And uh, to me, this seems like a, a fantastic a uh, hire here for DCA, a program who's had, you know, a, a good string of success. Um, as we've kind of talked about here, they go 45 and 25 in the last six seasons. Uh, and just prior to that, they had not had a little stretch with success. So uh, the table is kind of being set kind of nicely. And so uh, looks like Coach Jay Pierce is going to step in, to me at least, into a pretty good little situation here. He's got a nice little situation. Quarterback Mitchell Carey comes back through for more than 2,800 yards, 37 touchdowns, and three picks as a junior. So he can throw it around, and he knows who to throw it to, apparently. Um, they've also got a couple of wide receivers in Cameron Booker and Grayson Scragg and tight end Carson Sneed, who is a beast. I'm going to tell you, I um, I don't know if he plays tight end at the next level. He might be more of a DN type of guy. But at the high school level, he's a big target, and he's one heck of a security blanket. For Mr. Carey. So, yeah, like you said, they are set up for some success. And, and also, as you said, anytime you get to go back to your alma mater and coach, I think that's kind of a special situation there. So we'll certainly bear watching what's going on over at Donaldson Christian here over the next bit under Jay Pierce. Um, I am trying to think. I'm not sure what other – high school football coaching vacancies there are at this point. Um, Wade, are you familiar with anything else right now? No, and it's uh, funny you mentioned that because that was exactly where I was going. I was kind of racking my brain to see if this is, you know, kind of the final piece of the puzzle in the coaching carousel, as it were, this year. And so um, talk about a nice move. And, again, just the fact that you're able to go back to a program you're familiar with not completely rebuilding. seems like we see this story a lot where a coach comes back home, but – it's a total renovation project, and uh, it seems like at least right now for Coach Pierce, he's set up nicely. But, yeah, I can't think of any other uh, coaching vacancies off the top of my head. So uh, this could finally, unless something crazy obviously happens in the next couple of weeks, uh, could and should wrap us up in that regard. Yeah, and it's it's nice as we're getting February started, getting signing day for February started tomorrow, actually. Um, nice to have – some of those situations settled, I would imagine. So, so yeah, that's a good thing. Um, and, again, congratulations to Coach Pierce and to Donaldson Christian for getting that squared away. So, as we continue here on Main Street Sports today, we are efforting to make sure that Heather Williams is able to get in with us to talk a little NASCAR. Um, had to move Heather over because of signing day tomorrow she anticipated being a little busy up in her neck of the woods with various signings so um wait anybody doing anything down your way tomorrow 
don't know that we'll do anything official just yet. We have had a couple of uh, signees, and I don't know that he will sign tomorrow, but I have been hearing a lot of chatter about uh, the big standout for GCHS football last year, Kamari Turner. Uh, took a nice visit over the weekend up to Cumberland's Kentucky, which is a program that uh, has fielded a Giles County player or two. They had a really nice uh, commitment a couple years ago from Walker Dunn, a former safety for Giles County, who's, who's mm -hmm. done well and played well up there. And Kamari probably is your big piece. Amari Smith is still to come. Uh, I know he went on said visit to Cumberland's, but I don't know that I've seen anything in terms of a commitment or a verbal or certainly tomorrow, you know, a signing. But those are kind of the big pieces. And then Giles County has, uh, you know, one or two other kids. They're always good to just spring one or two kids on you uh, that may not necessarily even be on someone's recruiting radar that pop up. So it'll be, be interesting to keep our uh, eyes and ears tuned for GCHS and Richland, for that matter, tomorrow. Sure. Um, you know, we we were fortunate enough to to take a visit to the University of Cumberland's up in Williamsburg when when Nick was coming out of Centennial considered wrestling up there. That's a heck of a drive, but it's a really nice campus. They've got some great facilities up there, and so you can kind of see why they are such an attractive option for um, for so many kids down here as well. So look forward to seeing where Kamari winds up. Obviously, had a great season, a great career down there at Giles County, and. Um, as you said, will certainly be worth following. When we come back here on Main Street Sports today, we will be joined by Heather Williams to talk a little NASCAR, a little Chiefs. We'll see how that goes. Stay with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. 
A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. We thrive under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. of Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely. We're coming to you live from the Lee Company Mobile Studios here. And we are brought to you by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. So, Wade, we are now joined by our NASCAR expert, Heather Williams of WCYB-TV up in the Tri-Cities. Heather, welcome aboard. What's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for uh, kind of adjusting to my schedule and uh, let me join you on the Tuesdays. Everybody knows tomorrow is uh, National Signing Day, and we have uh, five signings at this time tomorrow. So nice. I'm calling myself. Okay. Yeah. So um, you are you are going to kind of be getting frequent flyer miles tomorrow, then, huh? Yeah, a little running around, but you know that's what tomorrow is, and I'm always so excited for the for the kids that are getting the chance to move on to the next level. Well. They won't all be left turns, I don't guess, will they? Uh, no. There will be some people making left turns on a different kind of a track, as in track and field, but uh, nobody in a car. Oh, okay. All right. Well, a lot of left turns Saturday night. Saturday night. Now, Chris and I discussed this a little bit yesterday, and you know my NASCAR knowledge is limited, Heather, but he brought me to the conclusion or, or made me understand that Earlier is not bad for a NASCAR race. The Classic at the Coliseum was scheduled for Sunday. They're having some weather issues out there on the left coast, and so they moved it up to Saturday. And I thought that would kind of be a little bothersome. He said not so much. In this example, not so much. I mean, there were people that were mad because there's people that are always, well, there's always people that aren't happy about things. Mm -hmm. But in this particular situation for this race, there were already scheduled to be cup activities on the track on Saturday. So that that section was going to be the qualifying races. So there was going to be cup series action anyway on that day. So the drivers were all expected to be there. The crews were already there. Everything was already in place to be able to do that. On the normal weekend, that's not the case because sometimes the pit crews don't fly in until the day before or even the morning of. So um, but this, this was like the, the perfect, for lack of a better term, storm because a storm is what, what caused this. But, um, you know, 
and also it just so happened in this case it's one of the few times that this is not a nascar venue it's not owned by nascar or car or by uh, speedway motorsports who they own all the tracks that we're normally at they had to give the coliseum back to la <laughs> at some point so they could tear up the concrete or the the asphalt and get ready for the events that they have in there you also have going all getting the production trucks and everything down to daytona for next week all the way from california have to go back to you know concord or charlotte or wherever they're located and then down so you start to get into a time crunch so in this instance it was the best thing to move it to saturday because if it didn't happen saturday it probably was not going to happen at all okay all right that makes sense and um denny hamlin gets the win yes you know, as, as we talked last week i'm not sure how much winning and not winning necessarily matters but if you're running you might as well win right right i mean and these are race car drivers they're competitive right i mean all you had to do was watch if you could stand to sit through it the um pro bowl games this weekend and find out that it doesn't matter what you're doing athletes are going to be competitive at it they just are so um this was a little bit more entertaining than the pro bowl games uh because they were actually racing and not pretending to do things that are kind of you know related to racing they were eye racing or something weird like that but um so yeah i mean the guys that go all the way out to california they want to be in the race they want to be competitive they want to win i mean 13 guys drove all the way out to um or flew they didn't drive uh all the way out to california and tried to qualify for this race and got to run you know 10 laps of, of practice and qualifying and then went home because they didn't get in the race. And we're talking about big name guys. I mean, Christopher Bell finished fourth in the points last year, did not make the clash this weekend. Chris Buescher finished ninth, I think, in the points, did not make the clash this year. So, um, you know, nobody was safe except for Ryan Blaney, and he had to use his um, fall safe, his, uh, his provisional to get in that they had saved for the highest point finisher from last year who didn't get in on time and number one finisher from last year had to use that provisional. So that just tells you how difficult this event was and, and how even the playing field is. And perspective, I just thought it was fascinating that, you know, big name guys were Austin Dillon, Austin Cindric, they drive for major teams in the garage area and they didn't make the race. And that's, that's NASCAR. And I think that's amazing. Paid off for Blaney using that provisional. Finishing third behind Hamlin and Bush, Joey Logano fourth, and Kyle Larson rounding out the top five out there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Blaney basically went from last to third, a few more laps, and he might have been able to get up to the front. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just shows that that this kind of racing is hard and that that qualifying, that's why they wanted to do the heat races, because that qualifying isn't really indicative of who has strong cars in this style of racing but the weather just prevented them from doing the heat races so um but it was interesting right i mean i know you i know you probably didn't watch but for the people out there that did watch um it's all right you're not you're not a nascar fan it's cool i usually will text you when there's something you need to see and let you know (laughs) (laughs) i'll be like mo looking out for me i appreciate it yeah um but there were there were you know tempers uh uh joey logano 
each other's face after the race because they like how they were racing each other. Um, that's interesting. That'll be something to keep an eye on going forward throughout the season. If those two get tangled up, we've already started. There was lots of beating and banging and pushing people out of the way because on that little quarter mile track, there's not a lot of room. Mm -hmm. So everybody's fighting for the same piece of real estate. So, uh, you know, short track racing still has some work to do, but I, I thought that it was pretty entertaining for the most part. Heather, what's one, um, who, I guess, two parts, I guess, who, and then what uh, our story, who needs that maybe have a big weekend in your mind gearing up for Daytona? And then what is a big storyline uh, that you see, obviously the race will tell itself, but what, what's one other big storyline coming out of this race heading into Daytona that you perhaps are most excited about? Well, I think Denny Hamlin is going to be a story to watch out for just because he was able to win this race. It's physically demanding kind of a race and he's coming off of shoulder surgery. Uh, on Wait, can you hear me? We lost Heather, I think, there. Yeah, we, we seem to have lost Heather. Hopefully we can get Heather back. Um, I did not realize Denny Hamlin was coming off of shoulder surgery, and I imagine, particularly as she was saying, in a short track situation like that, that puts a little bit more stress on, on something like that than it in a more conventional setting so there she is she did i don't know what happened that. just just uh, absolutely just went blank um so anyway i was talking about denny hamlin mm -hmm. he um you know so and he's not 100 percent uh and he didn't even know if he was going to be able to run this race so to be able to come back and then win this race you know it'll be interesting to see what kind of wear and tear that did on his shoulder, how he's going to feel when he gets back to Daytona in a couple of weeks. So um, I think he's someone to keep his eye on. Also the Toyotas and the Fords have new body styles for this year. So how are they? I mean, Toyotas were all fast. They were all up front. They looked great in the clash. Of course, it's a short track. So it's not so much on aerodynamics and body style, but Daytona will be aerodynamics is a huge part. So how do they perform based on that? Um, and I think as far as, you know, when we get down to Daytona, how do those guys, those big name drivers that miss the clash, how do they respond? You know, do they come out and put up big numbers? Was it just a fluke? I mean, Brad Keselowski made the clash for the first time this year. He had made it each of the previous two years and he made it to two rounds of the playoffs. So not making the clash doesn't, doesn't have to make or break your season. But of course, if you get up on the wrong foot, it certainly can break your season if you don't handle it right. So how do Christopher Bell and um, Josh Berry, Chris Buescher, Austin Dillon, Austin Sendrick, some of those bigger name guys that we talked about, how do they respond from disappointment at the, at the clash? Heather Williams of WCYB TV out of Johnson City joining us here on Main Street Sports today as we take a look at the weekend that was in NASCAR and kind of spin ahead to Daytona here in a couple of weeks. But um, speaking of spinning, you mentioned a little little beating and banging, little tempers, because what would NASCAR be without it? <laughs> Ty Gibbs and Joey Logano got into each other late Saturday night and – you kind of alluded to it, but Logano particularly unhappy with that. 
He was, but I think it's kind of funny because the two drive very similarly. I mean, they're 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 maybe that's why you know they they're so much alike that they can't they can't see what the other one's doing because they're both the kind of guys that want to win, and they don't care if you're friends when you if you if you're friends when you get off. I mean, both of them have famously said, "I don't have any friends out here." Like I, you know, I'm gonna do what it gets to take to the front, and I don't care who I wreck, and I, you know, they. They both would wreck their mama if that's what it took to get up front. So um, I find it very interesting that those two are are clashing just because those two are so much alike in their driving styles. Um, I didn't see anything egregious that either person did. I, I kind of feel like it was just the nature of the kind of racing that they're doing. But it does get people angry because you don't really realize. I mean, there was one point in the race where, and I'm sure the spotters got in and let them know because they didn't seem too agitated with themselves, but there was with each other. But there was one point in the race where it looked like Bubba got wrecked by his teammate Tyler Reddick. And from Bubba's perspective, perspective, I'm sure that's what it looked like. But what you can't see when you're in racing this kind of racing is that the wreck actually started four cars back and Reddick got pushed into Bubba. So, I mean, that kind of stuff happens on the track all the time and you can't, I think they'll be fine because I think they'll, when they rewatch it, they'll see that, but they're both kind of stubborn and they're both kind of, um, you know, very much driven in their own success. So maybe not, they might hold a grudge. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Well, and it seems they have a history. Oh, everybody on the track has a history at some point. It's just how much, <laughs> how much, how much are you willing to, um, to let it go. I mean, if you're, if it's your, you know, when it's Bubba and Blaney and they get into each other, you know, they're best friends. So they'll probably let it go. You know, um, the same thing with like Kyle Larson and, and Denny Hamlin, they're pretty good friends. And it took a long time before Kyle, Kyle finally said, I'm not putting up with this anymore, but he hasn't really retaliated with him. He's maybe just changed, changed the way he races him. So um, everybody's got a history with each other. I think at this point, these guys have all been in the series together long enough that um, you could probably find a backstory on every single one of them. Apparently, Logano spun tie in October up at Martinsville. I was at Martinsville. I'm sure it happened. I don't remember it, but, you know, um, <laughs> NASCAR drivers are elephants. They never forget. Yeah. I mean, they never forget anything. You spun me, and I'm sure that somebody could go back and say, you know, you spun me at this race 15 years ago and be upset about it and feel like they owe payback. But um, I'm sure it happened. I, I believe it. Um, I just don't know if that's what caused this. I think this was gotcha. basically based on what was going on at the track at the moment. You know, um, if you want to show off NASCAR, short track is probably the most exciting way to do it. That's why you get what you get at the Clash you're going from short track to super speedway in a couple of weeks down at Daytona. These guys are used to going from one to the other and doing everything in between, but how does that, how, what changes? I mean, everything changes at the short track. It's really about the driver and not about the car at all. That's why you're able to see a Justin Haley who drives for what people I think would probably consider the lowest, um, uh, chartered team in the garage in Rick Ware Racing qualify. I think he qualified 10th for this race. And you see Christopher Bell, who finished fourth in the points, not make it because it doesn't really have that much to do with the car. 
and has a lot to do with what the driver is doing and how they're able to manipulate through traffic and that kind of stuff. Not that Christopher's not an amazing driver because he's incredibly talented, especially on the short tracks. He doesn't have a good day and it happens. But when you go to a place like Daytona, especially in qualifying, it's all about the car. The driver is basically there to make sure it doesn't end up in the wall. I mean, you could you could qualify a car at Daytona. Hold down the gas and turn left. That is literally all you're doing at Daytona. I'd now in the try. race, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you are going fast. You are going like 190 miles an hour um, and tilted sideways. But uh, when it comes to the race, there is a lot more driver skill involved, and because reading the draft and seeing seeing um, you know being able to anticipate wrecks, there's a great scene in um, NASCAR Full Speed where Denny's at Daytona. And he's running in the middle of the pack because, you know, they're all running this close to each other, all 36 drivers in the huge pack going around. And they're all bouncing off each other and they're trying to go in and out of the tight spots. And you can the really good drivers can see when the, when the wreck's about to happen. So there's a great scene in that where Denny's like just all of a sudden just it's like a parachute boom, goes right to the back. He's like, I'm getting out of there. They're about to wreck. And two laps later, boom, the big one happens. Oh, wow. um, but you can, you know, the really good drivers can see that's about to happen. And then you have to balance risk versus reward. I see this is about to happen, but I need this point or I need this spot. So I'm going to stick it out and hope I can get through it. Or in Denny's case, I'm in the playoffs. I don't want to wreck. Boom, straight to the back. So um, there's a lot more strategy and a lot more um, and a, more, a lot more speed and aerodynamics uh, this week as opposed to last week where it was really all just beating and banging and moving people out of the way. So defensive driving is a thing in NASCAR then, huh? Oh, for sure. For sure, especially at a place like Daytona or, or the following week in Atlanta when you're running in that pack. You have to be able uh, to judge risk-reward. If I stick my nose in here for this point, I might wreck the whole field, and is it worth it for that point? So, Wade, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, Heather, I, I guess I'm just curious, and we can chat more, obviously, next week about Daytona, but um, to the layperson, does anything about the track change? Are there any tweaks that kind of come into play year to year? Uh, does NASCAR do anything different? I know this is such a big event, and I'm just curious, does anything, are there any degrees that get changed or smoothed or resurfaced? Does anything kind of happen in the offseason for this particular race? Not at Daytona. Some of the other tracks, they'll they'll lay down compounds to help them uh, stick on different places of the track to widen the track out. But Daytona is a four-lane track. Everybody runs all over the track. As I said, they run in the big pack. So the track itself doesn't really change except for with the weather. At any track, that the way the track races, based on if it's hot or if it's cold, those kinds of things will affect the track. So... Um, a couple years ago when I was down in Daytona on Saturday for the Xfinity race, it was cold. And the cars were much faster because cars run faster in, in the cooler weather. Um, but other than that, no, there won't be anything really that's different from Daytona. Um, and that's just the nature of that kind of track and the location of the track being in a warm weather um, uh, area. It'll be pretty much consistent. You're not gonna ask about this shirt, by the way. I wore this. Oh, for you. don't worry. We we we're <laughs> yeah. Not, we had a feeling that was yet. coming. We're not <laughs> done yet. We we might have since you have segued there though. We just a little reminder that you all are the defending 
NFL champions, right? Yeah, and this is actually from this is actually the shirt I looked for last year's shirt and couldn't find it this morning. I was kind of in a hurry though, so this is actually uh, the tw- the 2019 slash 2020 championship shirt, which was, by the way, a victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Just a reminder. Just, just a, a reminder. reminder. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you like the Chiefs in this ball game. Why do you like the Chiefs in this ball game? Because we have objectively speaking, because we have Patrick Mahomes and the and the best defense left in the playoffs. Um, if you look at what the Chiefs defense has done in the playoffs, we have contained Tua Tagovailoa, Josh Allen, and um, Lamar Jackson, which. Anyone would, I don't think you would get very many arguments that those three are all top tier quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks. And the least, the least of those quarterbacks would probably be considered Tua, who, oh, by the way, was the quarterback of the most prolific offense this year in the NFL. So, um, you know, the defense will have some holes to fill because Charles uh, Charles Amenahu is injured. He blew out his knee in the AFC championship game. And um, he's a really nice balance on that defensive line uh, for uh, Chris Jones. As far as it's hard to double, if you double team Jones, a man who will beat you one-on-one. So it's hard to just focus on Jones because of that. And then you have George Karloftis, who also had 10 um, sacks in the regular season. So losing a man who, you know, it allows you to double and stunt uh, Chris Jones a little bit more than you would have been able to if a man who's there. But the rest of the defense is completely healthy. Um they have the Chiefs have decided just to not throw the ball to people that can't catch it anymore. We've shortened our receiver list quite a quite a bit, um, and I just think, you know, I did not feel confident going to the AFC Championship game. I did not think that they were good enough to beat Baltimore, but after they went into Baltimore and beat Baltimore in the you know the presumed presumptive M- MVP in their stadium after beating the two calibers of quarterbacks they did the two previous weeks. I just don't think Brock Purdy is better than anyone that they've beaten so far along the way. Safe to say Kadarius Tony won't be a chief next year. Uh, I would think so, but that he was at the NFL kickoff last night talking to people. So, I mean, he's in Vegas, which (laughs) I would have never imagined in a million years was going to happen. So you'd have just left him in Kansas City then, huh? Or wherever he decided to go. After what was posted on Instagram? Absolutely. After his after his <laughs> obscenity-laced tirade against the Chiefs about how he wasn't hurt, yes, I would have left it in Kansas City. IR to the IR we go. Whether he's I hurt certainly or not, would have and I certainly would have tr- not have trotted him out last night to talk to the media. That certainly would not have been a thing. I would have paid the fine for him and said, stay in the hotel room. Heather Williams of WCYB-TV in Johnson City giving us her insight on NASCAR and her thoughts on her Chiefs. And we will wish you luck this weekend. We will talk to you hopefully next Wednesday at your regularly appointed time. Yeah, that uh, that is NASCAR Media Day in uh, Detroit. So if it all works well, I mean in Detroit, in Dallas. Uh, Dallas, where am I going? Daytona. Yeah, that's the It's D something one. with a D. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, so if it all works out, yes, from there, but I'll, I'll be in touch. We'll definitely hook up at some point next week, but Wednesday's crazy. Sounds good. We appreciate you. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you guys. All right. Hey, when we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, 
there will be lawyers. We'll just leave it at that for now. Come on back to the Lee Company Studios here in just a second. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Tuesday edition of Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We are coming to you from the Mobile Lee Company Studios. Wade in Murfreesboro, me here in Franklin. And Wade, I don't know, I don't know how much you are on Twitter over the course of the day slash night. 
I'm probably on it more than I should be. But last night, something came across that was really um, jaw-dropping, and there is an article to that effect on frontofficesports.com. NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, rules that Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees. The ruling came down yesterday from the board declaring that Basketball players at Dartmouth University, which is an Ivy League school, which makes this particularly peaking, I guess. But um, they can hold an election to unionize. Now, I don't understand all of the whys and wherefores necessarily, but if you are someone who favors amateur athletics, this can't be good. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is an interesting uh, decision, and it was interesting that it comes on the heels of you and I, and Chris, last week, just discussing you know, kind of the future of the NCAA and where things go from here. And uh, if I recall correctly, did we we also have seen our share of uh, potential attempts to unionize? I want to say Northwestern basketball, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe even Northwestern football, a couple of years it might have been ago. Northwestern football. I think that was correct, and it just seems like nothing uh, had kind of stuck. But it's very interesting that this pops up again because the timing of it, it just seems like the NCAA is really kind of just wobbly or not on not on solid footing, uh, more so than it's ever been in its history, I suppose. And it just feels like if there ever is a time to strike, if you're in favor of unionization or in terms of uh, full kind of player control, so to speak. It seems like we're we're right there in the thick of things now. They have taken a bunch of po- punches from Apollo Creed, and they are woozy and wobbly, like you said, for sure. Um, the NCAA, meanwhile, according to this article, is in the process of reviewing the decision and its potential impact on all schools and student-athletes. So, Dartmouth's team will have the opportunity to hold a union election they've not set a specific date yet the school administration has 10 business days to file an appeal i'm sure they will (laughs) and that'll it's again with everything else that's going on across the ncaa it this is another punch that they can ill afford i would think yeah, um, this just seems like the NCAA is not, um, like I said, and we've kind of used the boxing analogy, seems like they're not equipped to maybe uh, withstand too many more uh, clubbings in, in the corner. And just seems like there's just enough kind of uh, evidence or cases kind of mounting against them that uh, they are really going to have to go deep into their coffers. Uh, it seems like in terms of legal recourse, if they, if they're going to somehow make some sort of Houdini like escape here. Right. Meanwhile, the, the NCAA has also filed a motion or filed a motion over the weekend to um, deny the motions made by the attorneys general of both Tennessee and Virginia um, regarding the name, image, and likeness 
guidelines and the rules that that the NCAA is trying to institute that they say have been violated. So, you know, like you said, the NCAA seems to be under attack from a number of different fronts right now. Yeah, and you know, uh, and it's interesting that this is all happening and it doesn't seem like there's this major groundswell of uh, support in favor of the NCAA. It kind of uh, uh, seems like when these stories come out, we're, we don't just have a, a huge throng of folks uh, coming to the aid of the NCAA. It always just, to me, seems a little interesting that everybody kind of is teetering toward the uh, the other side of this equation, right? It, it's kind of like when the bully on the schoolyard is getting beat up, right? Nobody's running to their rescue. That's 100% the analogy uh, that it feels like to me because uh, as these cases kind of mount up and, and you know, obviously uh, we've discussed the, the Tennessee situation at, at length here and it kind of just goes back to, it seems like the NCAA, uh, to me at least, has kind of gotten away with being hypocritical uh, for a long, long time. And then, like you said, now all of a sudden the bully is kind of getting a little bit of comeuppance here. And uh, I just find it interesting that there's not many people rushing to their aid. Yeah, yeah, there's nobody saying stop, stop. So, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you hate to see it. Things you hate to see, isn't that right? <laughs> exactly. Um, speaking of name, image, and likeness, not long before we went on the show today, a picture started circulating on social media channels of Carson Beck, Georgia quarterback. And his new Lamborghini. Ooh. Did you a say Georgia quarterback, new Lamborghini? Georgia quarterback, new Lamborghini. $300,000 Lamborghini. And that, uh, that is a, sh that's a sharp ride for a sharp QB, I suppose. But man, um, yeah, we're we're knee deep in the NIL realm now. Uh, when uh, we are farther than knee deep, Wade. You know, unless you're short, but I don't know. But I mean, um, I I on these same airwaves said more than once, I'm all for the kids because so many didn't have these opportunities. So I'm all for the kids. This is too much. And if he had gone know. with a nice, uh, if he had gone with a nice Buick Enclave, would that have been too much? Or the Lamborghini oh, itself mean, was just a, a little too a, much. A, a nice top, top of the, you know, top end pickup truck, something like that, you know. Okay, but a Lambo, a three hundred thousand dollar Lambo, that's that's a bit much. And now, I, uh, I will say this. Uh, I do see totally the point. At what point does this kind of, not to uh, be that guy, but at what point do you start worrying about team chemistry and kind of cracks in the armor? Hey, so-and-so's got a $300,000 car. Why don't I have a $300,000 car? And that's the only potential drawback I see because, yes, I'm 100% in favor of uh, players being able to, to grab as much money as possible. But – um, that's the only thing is when you kind of see flashy purchases, you, to me, you just kind of wonder what does that do for team morale for the fourth, fifth, sixth guys on the depth chart, you know? And, you know, there's 
I think to a degree there's some of life's not fair that applies there, but at the same time, I do feel like that is something that you have to be concerned with, Wade. Not necessarily with the fourth, fifth, sixth guy on the depth chart, but definitely the second and third guys on the depth chart, depending on the position. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're the backup quarterback, and you're like, man, I'm still driving a Corolla out here, and my star QB's in a Lambo. Um, maybe I should go grab a bag somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. and again, I'm all for in favor of bags and being grabbed as much as possible. But, um, yeah, that's the only thing. And, I mean, if we really want to go, I'd love to hear Chris Yao's opinion on this because I'm sure he's got one. Um, oh, you know is, he's is, got is Beck. One. Is Beck Lambo caliber? Uh, you know, I mean, just trying. To- I, here's the thing: I don't know that it's the Lambo that is the is the concern here. I think it because he bought it. This wasn't a gift, but it's the fact that he is his nil is generating those type finances that he can purchase a Lambo. I think that's where it is right there. Um, it, it's not the car. It's the money that is leading to the car. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think the number that's being used is he's got $1.3 in endorsements, which I guess if you're the quarterback at the University of Georgia, that's a little different than being the quarterback at the University of Idaho, maybe. But still, that's that's a lot. And it's something that is going to continue to be a problem until folks in decision-making positions get their arms around it, I think. so. Which uh, perhaps could be solved by unionization. Hmm. Uh, maybe a little, you know, maybe this cracks the door open for a collective bargaining type situation. And maybe all of a sudden, you know, the offensive linemen uh band together and maybe say you know what we want our lambos too and i think this is eventually you know keep in mind it feels like we've been in this situation for four or five years but it's still kind of so early in the process uh that none none of these headlines really kind of shocked me because i do think eventually give it another two three four years and things will kind of smooth out but yeah when you see the uh beck grabs a lambo it certainly draws headlines if nothing else yeah, it, it seems like, like you said, so many different things have taken place that you feel like were the tipping point of this. And I don't know that anything has been, but we certainly feel like we're moving closer and closer to said tipping point. And at some point, this whole, you know, I'm sure you've played Jenga. At, at some point, this whole thing is going to collapse. And then, and maybe that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, usually that seems like how it plays out, right? Uh, we kind of saw this. I know this is a weird analogy, but we kind of saw this with the NFL and their gambling suspensions last year where we saw some players obviously close to home with the Titans get suspensions for uh, kind of perceived lesser than. And kind of as those suspensions were handed out, they were kind of the unfortunate example there needs to be some sort of egregious type situation before everything kind of reverts to the mean and everything kind of settles into place. And uh, so for now, at least uh, the $300,000 sports car uh, will be in effect. And I guess uh, 
the question will be what kind of car will Nico be driving uh, this time next year then? Mm. Yep. If, if Beck's grabbing a Lambo, I want to see Nico getting in one as well, at least then. Or, or something somewhat similar. We will Similar, at least, yeah. We will certainly be keeping an eye on it. Next up on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, the pride of the dimple, Chip Walters, will be joining us to talk a little Middle Tennessee State athletics. Stay tuned. Live under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> other guy in Wham married the best-looking girl Bananarama, so other guy in Wham had a pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Tennessee Bone and Joint. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton, and we are now joined by the Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters. Chip, bring me up to speed. What did the Groundhog see on Groundhog Day <laughs> before the luncheon on Friday? Uh, you know, I I, I think 
I think this was the 51st, this was the 51st Groundhog Day luncheon. And I think that, uh, that for 51 straight years, the Blue Raider baseball coach has interpreted, uh, what the groundhog sees as good weather for practice and good weather for, uh, for the season opener in, uh, what is now about, uh, about a week and a half. So, uh, Coach Jerry Myers was not able to be at this year's event. His dad passed away last week up in Indiana, and he was uh, up there getting ready for a visitation and a funeral uh, over the weekend. But uh, associate head coach Kevin Nichols uh, took the took the reins, uh, introduced the staff. We introduced the entire baseball team and had a and a with, with the staff and also uh, with four players, including uh, Briggs Rudder, who, who uh, from uh, Zion Christian Academy and a mm-hmm. Columbia native, and uh, they were all ex- you know extremely optimistic about this year's group. They, uh, you know, they were happy to talk about having some left-handed pitching this year, which was uh, was at a uh, it was something that was needed a year ago. You've got uh, and and Briggs in particular, I thought was uh, pretty eloquent talking about the pitching staff uh, being in the position he's in and uh, as the starting catcher, he, 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 he started 50 of the 52 games they played last year. Uh, catcher? Yeah. He did. <laughs> and, oh. and, uh, and so he, uh, he, 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 you know, he, he talked about the, you know, there were a lot of young guys that, that got a lot of innings last year. And, and he just talked about that, you know, that experience, uh, while sometimes taking some lumps uh, a year ago, uh, that and a and a good bit of work, uh, you know, in the off season was going to be very helpful. And he saw, he, in his opinion, he thought there were some really bright things ahead. They've, you know, again a- added a, a lot of pieces. They still have forty um, in the low forties on the on the roster. But uh, I mean, it, everybody in college baseball now carries more into the Christmas break than you will come out of it with. Uh, they, they're they using fall ball now as, as, a, as a way to to go through some cuts and, and all of that. So, you know, they're, they're picked uh, mid-pack right now, I think, in Conference USA. And, uh, but I think they feel like they're going to be, uh, be a, little, a little better than that. Uh, interesting when you – when the – the change came, you know, you still have Dallas Baptist in there as a baseball only, which when you lost Southern Miss, you lost one top 20, picked up Dallas Baptist, which was another top 20. Uh, New Mexico State back in in baseball, we played them back in the Sun Belt days and and the ball flies in Las Cruces in the light air out there. Uh, Liberty has been solid in baseball. So you lose what you lose with Charlotte, FIU, uh, those you, you gain back with Liberty and New Mexico State. Uh, so it, it's going to be a, an interesting season. Middle has a very front-loaded home schedule as far as uh, non-conference, pr- n- probably not quite as challenging as it has been. Uh, and and so they they've got they open up with Bowling Green State uh, a week from Friday, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was one of the things I think has always been a key to scheduling. If you're a college baseball team in the South, schedule those teams from up North that want to come South early and, uh, and, and maybe not have had a whole lot of time outside, even though 
you know, the, the snowstorm that hit has limited uh, some of the outside time that uh, teams in Tennessee have had. Yeah, Chip, you uh, kind of surmised it a moment ago that maybe middle of the pack, but thinking a little better than that. Uh, how much better, I guess, my, uh, as I'm putting my alumni hat on, how much better could they potentially get? And are we talking about maybe even a fringe run at this thing this year? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, once you, they, they made, you know, they, they made a statement last year that once you get in the tournament and, and you can make some things happen, you know, I think they feel like that, you know, the, the, the pitching, they're going to go as far as their pitching is going to take them. And that's just about everybody in college baseball. Uh, you know, you've got Louisiana tech is going to be good and they're hosting the tournament, which, uh, Dallas Baptist is going to be good. Liberty is going to be good. Uh, you know, and, and you think about, uh, next year, you're going to gain Kennesaw who has been an NCAA tournament team in the past and then Delaware the year after that. So, uh, it, it's a, uh, you know, I, I think, I think that they have a chance with way, the way the schedule falls early with home games, if they can get some momentum and confidence in that portion of the schedule, then I think, yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a good, uh, a good recipe to kind of get things rolling a little bit and, uh, and, and do some things. Uh, FIU will be the opening conference series in Miami and uh, in the way that the, the conference season falls, I think most of Middle's home schedule in the conference will kind of be bunched up uh, in the middle of the year. I know they open, and I think I'm right that they close uh, on the road in the conference. But, you know, they, they've got Vanderbilt on the schedule again. Of course, all the locals that they typically play in Belmont, uh, you know, you got a road, you got a home game with, uh, or a road game rather at Vanderbilt. You got one at Alabama this year. They've got a non-conference weekend series with UT Martin uh, fairly early. Uh, take a road trip up to Cape Girardeau for a single game. So uh, you know they, uh, I think they like their schedule and and uh, I think they feel like they've made some made some progress with both in the management of the roster and uh, getting it kind of where they want to and, and also gaining some age and experience. Chip, that that road trip to the Cape. Do you? Well, you don't do baseball, so never mind. Are you going to suggest to anybody that they swing down to um, to Sykeston and get through Lambert's go, either before or after? Go to Lambert's. It wouldn't be a bad idea to uh, have the post game meal uh, uh, on the bus from Lambert's, would it? No. Of course, no, somebody could stand in the front and throw the rolls toward the back, but uh, <laughs> well, not not a bad. Well, I tell you what, we did one time, Mo. Uh, did you ever know Bob Ballard, who uh, used to run the airport in Mount Pleasant, MT alum? We were all kind of in school at the same time. Bob used to fly our radio crew around uh, to some games, and he was a pilot. And and we uh, we had a game at SEMO in football. And when we left, it was an afternoon game, and so he flew into Cape Girardeau. And so we got back out, got on the plane. And we like, I mean, literally about five minutes and we landed in Sykeston and there's a phone there at the end of the airstrip. It was a pay phone and you could, it had, and had a, a strip of tape to call, uh, had Lambert's phone number. If you call that number, they would come pick you up and you would go to the front of the line. So, uh, so we, 
we took advantage of that and uh, and and got our Lambert's meal after a game at SEMO. So they came and picked you up, took you to Lambert's, moved you to the front of the line, fed you, and then took you back to the plane. That's correct. That's 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 not top bad notch. Not bad top treatment. notch service. That yep. is top notch. That's so the is, trick that's, might be even if you're not flying, go to the Sykeston Airport. There you go. Park and call on that uh, on the phone from there. And they'll come get you. That's that's as good as it gets right there, man. How long you been holding on to that one? That's classic. Well, it just never came up, you know. So man. Um so we've talked about bats and balls. Let's continue talking about bats and balls for just a second because the softball team opens its season Friday at eleven thirty AM Central Time, which will be nine thirty nine thirty AM on the West Coast when they take on UC Davis in the first of four games this weekend at the NorCal kickoff. That's right. The uh, the Cal Davis Aggies, they'll also play uh, St. Mary's, Cal Poly, and Sacramento State. And uh, and they'll also, in, their, in that whole deal, play uh, San Jose State. So there's one, two, three, four, five, five games mm-hmm. uh, starting yeah, this weekend. It. So they'll play two Friday, two Saturday, and one on Sunday. And Davis and Sacramento are pretty close there in Central California. But, you know, this is a, a middle team that has come off of uh, a region final and, uh, you know, obviously playing with a good bit of confidence. You you did lose, uh, you know, you lost one big player from a year ago, but you bring back the bulk of your ball club and uh, you've added some pieces and parts that should be helpful. So I think this, will, you know, this will this is a pretty good shakedown cruise to kind of figure out what you got. Uh, and is also you're going to be testing your pitching depth a little bit when you're playing five games in, in three days. You say went to a region final. You were within outs of, of a super regional. Yeah. Last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and you took Alabama right down to the, to the wire in Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa. And, uh, so, I think you know Jeff Breeden was very confident about his ball club a year ago, and and uh, you know they they re, they return a good bit uh, this year. And I'm just trying to think, looking at uh, stats from last year, uh, you look at at, at pitching uh, Gretchen Mead, who is now on the staff, but you uh, you know you you've got. You know, you got again. You got a bunch of a bunch of uh, folks back, including some some local players like Shelby Sargent, Claire Zakowski, and Ansley Blevins, who is a Blue Raider legacy. Uh, and 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 so th- this is a group that, you know, I, th- I think they're they're excited about what they're going to do. They're going to play a fun style of, of, of softball. They're going to try to uh, put pressure. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how much power this team has. As, as as opposed to the other or how much small ball they'll feel like they have to play but but uh, you know they they will start out their first three weeks I think uh, looking at the schedule uh, the first three weeks will be uh, on the road at tournaments that's just that's the way softball uh, happens mm-hmm. the next two weekends will be in Fort Myers and Madeira Beach Florida so uh, and they will not play back 
in Tennessee until February 28th, and then we'll play at home in uh, against uh, in the MTSU Invitational on March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So uh, they'll get uh, about 15 games in before before they come back to the state. On the hardwood, the men are making the swing to Liberty and FIU, which I presume means the women are hosting Liberty and FIU. Is that, is that right? That's correct. The uh, men will play. I've got an early wake-up call in the morning, Mo. We've uh, Tomorrow our, our travel party is split up a little bit. And uh, so we the early group, uh, the bus rolls, scheduled to roll out of the Greenland Drive parking lot at 6.15 to get to the airport and uh, fly through Charlotte and then on to Lynchburg Regional. And uh, and then the other group will be coming uh, later and will get there in the afternoon. And so uh, then they'll have, uh, they pra- they're going to practice in Murfreesboro before they, the biggest, the biggest part of the group is going to, uh, they're going to practice in Murfreesboro before they leave, but we'll get some time in to get some shots up on Wednesday night. Then they'll have a full game day practice on Saturday at the new Liberty arena, which has only been open now. This is either the second or third year of uh, what is supposedly a very sparkling, uh, fantastic arena there on the Liberty campus. And then we will play Thursday night and immediately jump on a on a charter flight to Miami to get down there on Thursday evening so we're not having to spend all day Friday traveling uh, due to an afternoon game on Saturday uh, so uh, it's trying to you know compress it in and and try to make the travel as uh, as least obtrusive as possible because it is not easy uh, if you're fly if you're if you end up flying commercial it's not an easy uh, trip from uh, Lynchburg to Miami, you, you, you're going to have to go through Charlotte no matter what. But uh, we are fortunate that we're going to be able to charter and go directly right after the game down to Miami and get in the hotel there. And the Ooh, women, yeah. like you mentioned, are going to be playing uh, Liberty and my and FIU at home. And uh, and uh, this will be the first matchup with Liberty, the second matchup with FIU, who they beat by 30 on the road when FIU at the time was undefeated in league play. Undefeated and projected as the AQ out of Conference USA. Yes. I don't think that's any longer. And and neither neither one of those are facts anymore. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I just want to know, Chip, who do you have to know to get in that late flight group tomorrow rather than that 615 at Greenland? I think you need to be a coach or or a scholarship athlete oh, because okay. I think I think they they keep the balance of the team. Uh, I, I think uh, the the there's seven of us in our group tomorrow, and I think that is basically support staff. I know That's not myself. The magnificent seven, then, huh? Yeah, the magnificent seven. It'll be I know myself, Thomas Donnelly. Uh, pretty sure the managers will be there and possibly Jake Juvenville and, uh, and, and, uh, and one other. So we'll see. Well, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see who does uh, show up at six in the morning. Could be Reggie Upshaw and, uh, always good to have Reggie on your flight. If it is him, maybe Reggie Scurry. We'll, uh, we'll have to see. Okay. All right. Um, 
everybody excited about signing day tomorrow? You know, I, I haven't really heard a ton about it because, you know, it has been the December signing date uh, has, you know, taken such a big precedence over the first Wednesday in February, you know, back what, as little as 10 years ago, I guess, mm -hmm. that, you know, we had December was not a big deal. And even when it started, it was limited and still it was the February date, but it has become more and more important to get the bulk of your work done in recruiting in December back after when he had his press conference following the December signing date. Uh, I asked coach Mason, matter of fact, I was in Cedar city, Utah. If I remember when I was on the zoom call with him, but I asked him about what his expectations were as far as signing, as far as numbers uh, for February. And he wouldn't give me a hard number, but he said 10 ish at the time. And I think they may have scaled that back just a little bit. So somewhere maybe between five and 10, I haven't heard any, any uh, definitive word out of that uh, yet, but still they, uh, you know, I, I, I think much like a lot of programs do, they're going to, everybody tries to keep a couple of spots open going into the summer because it seems like there's always somebody that ends up popping up that you might want to have. Uh, and, you know, and so that, you know, if you want to try to get to that 85, you may be want to be at 82 or 83 uh, following this February period. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, and, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the makeup of this portion of the class is uh, and as opposed to to what we saw back because it was a pretty good mixture, I thought, mm -hmm. back in December of, of high school kids uh, as well as getting some guys out of the portal and, and a couple of and a couple of uh, well-placed JUCOs in there. So it'll be, you know, I, I look forward to seeing that. One thing I've seen, too, uh, speaking of football, uh, our, our friends uh, uh, in the uh, Blue Raider uh, football alumni group, they're, uh, I think it's February 24th, they're going to be uh, having a, a, a football alumni meet and greet uh, with Coach Mason and his staff, uh, which will be pretty cool. And uh, I know he's, he's uh, you know, been very responsive as far as having an, an open door to the former players uh, and, and so I know he wants to do a lot of things, and this will be one of the first opportunities where, as far as a big group of former players, he and his staff will have an opportunity to to talk to him, and and uh, that'll be exciting for them to be able to do that, and 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 uh, and for the player for the former players as well. Hey, Chip, oh, another big yes, uh, another big Super Bowl coming up for our MTSU guys, uh, and it seems like Richie James is getting some buzz on the internet as a popular. A uh, guy that maybe gets, you know, that Super Bowl touchdown. And I guess I'm curious, um, what are the plans in Murfreesboro uh, with so many guys, former Blue Raiders, going to be uh, littered on the field on Sunday? Well, I, mean, I don't know that there are any real special plans. I just think that it uh, heightens the awareness a little bit. And, and the university and the athletic department have put out a good bit about there being, you know, three players from middle on on the Kansas City roster and and – and one on, on San Francisco's roster. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody has their own Super Bowl plans and all of that. But 
there's a there's a graphic that that is out there and uh, about the schools that have the most players in the in the big game and Oklahoma was number one with six and uh, I was looking here trying to find it myself um, I think middle that is it, tied with okay, about- it yeah, Georgia, Florida, and Clemson have five. Mm-hmm. Then Michigan, Middle, TCU, and Southern California have four. And then, then there's a, a group of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight that have three, and then a, a passel of them that have uh, that have two. So including, very proud of those guys, including that school to the east. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. And uh, but uh, really excited about them. You got. Uh, you talked about uh, Richie James. You got Charvarius uh, Ward, Darius Harris, and uh, and Isaiah Gathings all getting a chance to play and uh, and be on the roster. And uh, excited for those guys. And uh, and it just uh, goes to show that uh, you can reach all your dreams from Middle Tennessee. So there you have it. There you have it. The Blue Raider voice, Chip Walters, joining us here. I do have yep. one other thing. Tomorrow on my morning show, the Burv talks to the Vot. Oh, nice. I got an hour. An hour. Uh, we put it in the can on Sunday night since I'm traveling tomorrow morning. Mike uh, Keith was kind enough to uh, take some time. And, and, uh, and uh, we, uh, most of it, most of it was the time was talking about, uh, you know, his, you know, the process of getting the job and I'd never really heard the story of how he ended up getting the job. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. It, it's pretty good, pretty good story. And, uh, and we talked about and the timing of it. Yeah. We talked about our common connection with John Ward, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of that. And, and I, I have a, a story that I, I, I tell to him about, uh, what I thought was one of the most unbelievable things anybody ever did for me. And that was something John Ward did. And he talked and he and, and Mike really filled in a lot of gaps on some things that I didn't know. And then we spent a full segment talking about the new coaching staff and and uh, and and how the the Titans roster might look uh, this year. So it, it was a really I mean, it was a really quick, but but a, a fun hour with just uh, in a, and I've told Mike before that in that all of us guys who across the state who have been in broadcasting and sports casting, you know, you want to hate Mike because he got that job when he was so young, but he's such a good guy. And, uh, and, and you, and then you end up cheering for him. You, uh, you, cannot, and you cannot hate Mike. Keith. You cannot. It, he is such impossible. a good guy. And and now what 12 time, uh, Tennessee sportscaster of the year. So, uh, really, really proud of him and what he has put together. This is his 20 going into his 27th year with the Titans, looks which like is pretty amazing. He was 10, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 yeah he Absolutely. still has, he, he, he looks as young as anybody. Uh, our mine and your hair mode will give us away in for our, uh, for our age, man, mine been giving me away for a long time. It's nothing new, but no, mine started in high school right here in the temples. Mm-hmm. I started turning gray, but it, uh, it didn't turn loose. It turned gray, go. but it didn't turn loose. There you go. Chip Walters, the voice, I'm sorry, the Blue Raider voice joining us here on (laughs) Main Street Sports today as he does every Tuesday, except when he doesn't. Chip, we appreciate it. 
safe travels, and sounds like you'll be back in time for the Super Bowl. So enjoy that, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Mo and Wade. Good to see you, my man. Thank you, Chip. When we come back here on Main Street Sports today, Wade, this is going to be a fun segment because there is a story that came across yesterday regarding why a certain Titans former head coach may not have been employable. Stay tuned here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bowman. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Live under the lights. A city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
Welcome back to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton. Later in this hour, the last segment, Top 5 Tuesday, we will be giving you our thoughts on the top five celebrity sports fans. Can't imagine why we talk about something like that. But hmm. Yeah, yeah. Things that make you go. But um, Right now, though, there is an article that is based on a report from Diana Rossini of The Athletic where she's discussing Washington's hiring of Dan Quinn, former Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, as their new head coach and, and thus apparently closing the door on this year's NFL head coaching vacancies cycle. And she says in discussing why Mike Vrabel did not get a job during this cycle after his dismissal by the Titans. One NFL general manager reportedly believed Vrabel's physical build may have deterred front offices. Mike Vrabel, former NFL linebacker slash defensive end, 6'4", 260. He's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions, and that is a factor. Reading from the Sporting News, while Rossini initially laughed at the idea that Vrabel's size played into the hiring process, the general manager reiterated his belief. I said, stop, that's not something that's real. Who cares what somebody physically looks like? And he said, I'm just telling you, I've been in rooms and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. She reports you decide. Hang on, let me uh, just get hunched up here and try to get my presence correct. When, When you think about it, I mean, look at um, Mike McDaniel down at Miami, for instance. Who does he intimidate? I mean, that's just one that jumps out at me, but I mean, Matt LaFleur. When you start thinking about some of the guys who have recently been hired as head coaches in the National Football League, they're not a whole lot of guys that look like one-time defensive linemen. But no, yeah, this that's a tough concept to to deal with. I mean, if you're being physically intimidated by a guy and that's the reason you're not hiring him, uh, man. Yeah. And two things. Number one, would you not want your coach to kind of be potentially physically intimidating? Uh, If nothing else. My coach can beat up your coach type situation, Um, you know. uh, And then number two, you obviously have uh, guys like D'Amico Rines, who's mentioned in this article, and obviously Dan Campbell, who's a hefty man himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you want to even throw in Andy Reid, who's in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that this story legit came to light. And I love the fact that we had the double down comment like, no, this is – 
kind of a for real thing because I'm like emo. Uh, that just I don't buy this. I have a tough time believing that. Well, I'm, I, I guess here's the thing. I, I think I like to give people the benefit of the doubt whenever it's possible to do so. And I would hate to think that people making those decisions are that insecure. Yeah, and I don't have Dan Quinn's bio just pulled up right in front of me, but is he not? 6'5", 265. Uh, 65265 is Dan Quinn. 61247 is D'Amico Ryan. So, I mean, I guess at least he's short. I don't know, I, relatively speaking. But I'd be interested to see all of the heights and weights of all 32 of your head coaches. Yeah, might as well just line to, them up. And we'll just have a. Yeah, I, I'm not interested enough to put combine it, at this point. Yeah, I'm not interested enough to look it up for all 32 of them, but I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Maybe, maybe yeah, we revisit this tomorrow. You know, we, yeah, we, uh, we could be on to something, uh, uh, for wild and wacky Wednesday, but, um, obviously this does kind of slam the door shut on Brable, uh, for this coaching cycle, which, you know, everybody, I think thought he probably would end up in a spot, this situation, but I still am of the opinion or camp that, Braves is going to end up just fine. I think everybody obviously thought that New England would be where he would land up um, before we knew the contract uh, situation that Mayo had in place. But I think Braves is going to end up fine. So um, I just do find it a little uh, interesting that kind of a quote-unquote negative story is leaking out after the fact because uh, I'm personally of the opinion that this guy is going to end up – he's probably going to be your head coaching choice, number one, whichever jobs come open next year, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Titans coaching staff, word, as as so often happens with this show, word started to come out shortly after we went off the air yesterday. Former Titans defensive coordinator Shane Bowen is current New York Giants defensive coordinator Shane Bowen. So wow. he was he was hired to replace not the guest show host. But the former defensive coordinator of the New York Giants, Wink Martindale. So. Bowen comes in um, and Titans staff, uh, we've had a great time, you know, the last couple of weeks uh, talking with Terry about all the shakeups that have gone on with Tennessee. But kind of a guy that I didn't necessarily just immediately think would, would land right back in a defensive coordinator position. But here we are, right? Same here. Uh, there's an article on the athletic announcing the move. The Titans allowed 335 and a half yards per game last season, tied for 17th in the league with the green Bay Packers. They're 21.6 points per game allowed ranked 16th in the league. So those aren't necessarily numbers that scream hire this guy. No, kind of a head scratcher in that in, in, that frame for sure for me, I guess, you know, sometimes maybe that classic case of uh, not what you know or what you've done, but maybe who do you know? Because, uh, yeah, that's on its surface level, doesn't seem like you're just slam dunk higher at a defensive coordinator position at this point in his career. Now, it is all relative. New York was 26 in ports on points allowed and 27th in total defense. So this is better. 
Yeah, uh, the bar was potentially set low, and so he could come in and, and maybe, if nothing else, uh, improve just by showing up. Theoretically. Now, I mean, obviously, a lot of that has to do with, you know, not just X's and O's, but also Jimmy's and Joe's. So we'll, we'll see how it goes with Shane and Brian Dayball up in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Wait, this one may be a little bit more in your wheelhouse than some of the other stuff we have um, discussed because I know you are an NBA guy. Certainly more so than I am. The Eastern Conference All-Stars coach will be Doc Rivers, who a week ago was unemployed in terms of coaching, has coached three games with the Milwaukee Bucks since the sudden dismissal of Adrian Griffin. And of those three games, he's won one. But it was um, enough to give the Bucks the top record, well, the second best record in the Eastern Conference. Um, and apparently because you can't coach in the NBA All-Star Game two years in a row. The Boston Celtics and Joe Mazzola is ineligible to coach the East All-Stars this time, so it goes to the number two Bucks. Again, never mind that the Bucks got to that number two record primarily with Adrian Griffin at the helm. So, yeah. Uh... Certainly a unique situation, to say the least, and it is at least somewhat uh, kind, I suppose, of, of Doc that, you know, he's he's kind of given uh, Adrian Griffin his flowers in a sense. Uh, so much even so, I'm reading this same Yahoo article here that, you know, mm -hmm. he's willing to give him part of his ring and coaching share, uh, which is, is certainly mighty kind, but... Uh, very interesting. Yeah, the headline alone is just what makes this story. The fact that he was not even in the association in an active coaching role, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago. And now he finds himself not only coaching one of the top teams in uh, all the NBA, but also now coaching the all-star team. And so <laughs> the headline alone is just, just mind-blowing to me. Absolutely. The all-star game is set for February 18th. I guess that's, what, two weeks from Sunday? Or is it a week from yep. Sunday? A uh, week, week from, from Sunday. Sunday, correct. It's a week from Sunday in Indianapolis. Um, Doc has coached in three previous All-Star games in 08, 11, and 21. I think he had been employed for the entire season in each of those previous occasions. So this is wild, man. I mean, we talked about it right after Adrian Griffin was dismissed. Again, 30-plus wins in his first 40-something games. But sounds like he and some combination of he and Giannis or he and Dame got crossways and you're not going to fire the players. So got to be the coach. No. And, right? and, you know, Giannis at least has been playing uh, at a, just a freakish uh, level, pardon the pun there uh, the last couple of games. And so uh, it'll be interesting. What I, what I also do find interesting is that uh, I'm continuing on here is that, kind of part of Doc's decision that the new assistants are not going to join. He's going to allow that opportunity 
uh, to Adrian Griffin's staff. The former Grizzlies coach Dave Yeager, one of those assistant coaches, won't be going uh, with Doc to Indianapolis. But, um, yeah, it, just something had to have been off. And, you know, there were reports coming out of even as early as training camp that things weren't just totally hunky-dory. Um with maybe either management or with uh, the players association, just, we just see, see this uh, happen. It feels like where this, this, this league in particular is one where if you get sideways or crossways with the players, if they're of a high enough caliber, it's usually the coach that's going to be tossed to the curb. It's, it's a story as old as time going back to the old Lakers and, and magic Johnson and, um, whoever it was that he got dismissed out there. I mean, this it's far from the first time it's happened, but it's still pretty wild when it does, particularly again, when it's a 30 win team before the halfway point of the season. So mm -hmm. that that's the key thing is that it wasn't as if they're toiling uh, toward the bottom of the standings. I mean, you know, right there in the mix and have made a full-on coaching change. Uh, they're lucky, I think, or fortunate enough that they're able to land a coach the, of Doc's pedigree, at least. But the interesting part is so much of the kind of the backlash uh, that Griffin had kind of picked up, it seemed like, was his performance in the playoffs. And, yes, he's got a ring, but isn't Doc Rivers kind of known for not doing so well in the playoffs with talented rosters? In addition, Doc Rivers was available when you hired Adrian Griffin to start with. So, mm, brighter minds than ours, Wade. Brighter minds than ours. Anyway, we're going to step away, come back for our final segment of the day, which, of course, is Top 5 Tuesday. We are going to discuss the top five, in our opinion, celebrity sports fans. So, stay with us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We will be back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA.
With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Today's Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Wade Neely, Maurice Patton. Top 5 Tuesday here. Presented as always by Mid-South 5 Fitness. Getting you in better shape than you're in. Whatever that shape is. Um, so much talk over this NFL season about a certain sports fan of a certain tight end on a certain team that will be playing this weekend in Super Bowl 58 that we just thought we would take a look at some other celebrity sports fans we won't include this one that's that's kind of the gold standard but we're gonna take a shot at the top five celebrity sports fans and we'll do it draft style and Wade since there's only two of us I'll let you go first all right. Well, if I'm going to get to go first, I'm going to jump out. Uh, this is one that I kind of grew up with. If you're a fan of the NBA in the 90s or 2000s, you got to go Spike Lee at the Knicks game. Uh, he's in the front row. He's heckling the players. I mean, he doesn't just show up to the games and just sit idly by. He's trying to actively get involved. So I'm going Spike, number one. I'm going to go with one with local ties. It's kind of old schoolish. I don't know how much. She shows up these days. I don't think she was at Rupp Saturday night, but actress Ashley Judd has been a huge Kentucky fan for a long period of time. So love her in Double Jeopardy as well. If you've not seen it, you, you're cheating yourself. So anyway, Ashley Judd right off the top. Yep, she was a good one and was on my list. Good snag by you. Uh, since we're, we're going to get this one, had, we're even because you took Spike. So <laughs> that's, that's fair enough, I suppose. This guy is, uh, if you flip on a University of Texas game, he's there, <laughs> he's everywhere. He's the minister of culture. Give me Matt McConaughey, uh, number two on my list here. This guy just bleeds burn orange. All right, all right, all right. Um, 
My number two, and again, this is a guy that we've not heard as much of of late, maybe because his Trojans and his Steelers have kind of um, been running in place, but Snoop Dogg was a fixture on the USC sidelines back when they were really good sometime back, maybe with Pete Carroll, maybe a little later, but um, particularly through those years, you, you used to see him a lot. Uh, yeah, he was huge, always there, I felt like. Huge Southern Cal fan. So, All right, you mentioned a person with local ties, and I thought this is who you were going to pick earlier. This is a little bit outside of the box, but I'm going Vince Gill, Belmont super fan, mm-hmm. a celebrity, and a big, big fan over the years. Had him on my list. That's a good pull. That's a good one. Yeah, he he was a regular at Belmont. I, again, don't know if he still is or not because I'm not circulating around there like I used to. Um, as long as we're keeping it country, though, and this guy isn't necessarily, <laughs> in fact, he doesn't necessarily have any allegiance to anybody, but Kenny Chesney shows up at a lot of things. He, uh, yeah, he, for the longest time, you think he's a Tennessee fan, but then he shows up at Florida games. Mm-hmm. He shows up everywhere. Uh, he's just seemingly a fan of everybody, right? And and it's like he's got jerseys of the top 20 and pops them all out at any time. But, you know, he, he did. He was instrumental in the making of the 30 for 30, the color, uh, the color orange. So, um, yeah, whether he admits it or not, and whether they're ranked in the top ten at any given time or not, I feel like Kenny Chesney is a perma uh, Vols fan. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, you're number four? I'm going to go a little modern here. Uh, this sometimes is a kiss of death if this guy shows up at your games and he's rooting for your teams. And I'm going Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the <laughs> Toronto Raptors kind of version of – Uh, Matt McConaughey in the sense that he is all things uh, Toronto. But sometimes that's a detriment because if he shows up, sometimes the bad things happen for your team. But I'm going Drake, kind of like Kenny Chesney. He's been known to show up at Kentucky games. Uh, He kind of just pops up whatever the hot team is. But through and through, he's a Raptors guy. He's always representing for the six, Drake is. So um, next on my list and. I'm an old school guy, so I might as well lean into it. One of the first folks that you saw in this role probably was Jack Nicholson, particularly around the Lakers back during showtime. He was always on the front row. And, and as you were saying about Spike and some of these others, he, you know, you just, you couldn't miss him and he made his presence felt. So Jack Nicholson is my next guy. That's a good one, and yeah, he's he's kind of right there, synonymous with Spike. Just uh, I'd love, even still, he doesn't get as crazy as he used to, but I love when they just pan the crowd, and there he is. Uh, there he's he just, is. He's at every game, uh, it seems like, and that's what I give him props for, too. He doesn't miss uh, uh, many games. And so, you know, Mo, this last one, I was doing a little research, and I was thinking about picking Billy Crystal. And I'm reading conflicting reports. I'm going to lean to you on this. Is Billy Crystal a Mets fan or a Yankees fan? I'm seeing two different reports here online. Yes, I think he's a New York fan. 
Okay, so he he's not necessarily loyal to one or the other. He can kind of uh, kind of like we've said, whistle as the wind blows, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, then I will uh, defer back. Uh, I'm a Jets fan, and I just listened to a podcast that he's featured on Larry David of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm fame. He's a glutton for punishment, like myself. He's a big Jets fan, so I'm going to round out my list with a little humor uh, in a sick and twisted way. Uh, the New York Jets will be represented with Larry David. So, so riddle me this: how does how does one get to be a Jets fan from Southern Middle Tennessee? Real quickly, the, the quick version of the long story is before the Titans uh, had arrived in Nashville, my parents, we live out in the country. We only had access to a satellite dish, and the only channels that we could pick up really of note were the ABC or CBS New York feeds. And so the Jets were on the TV a lot. This was also coincidentally when the Jets were halfway decent in the mid-90s, uh, ultimately getting to the 98 uh, NF AFC championship game that the Broncos ended up winning. So kind of just inadvertently fell into Jets fandom and thought they were pretty good. Didn't do my homework, though. Didn't realize how bad they were, and I've been tortured ever since. Clearly. Clearly you did not do your homework. Clearly you have been tortured. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by getting the feed out of New York on your satellite. I'm talking this was a dish the size of the Lee Company uh, studio, let alone the mobile studio. That's funny. Um, you know what? My number five, Jimmy Carter loves the Braves. Now, he doesn't go all the time for obvious reasons, but he he gets to the important games. And when when you've got the president of the United States showing up for you, or the former president, that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, Jimmy Carter and the Braves. That's my number five. I also had Bill Murray on my list and then checked off from him late, but Bill Murray, speaking of torture, Cubs fan, enough said, right? Bless him. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for top five Tuesday here on main street sports today presented as always by mid South five fitness, getting you in better shape than you are in. They'll take care of you. Thala Steele and, and his folks. You can find him at Steel Athletes, S-T-E-E-L, Athletes. Hit him up on Instagram in particular, and he'll get you taken care of. Wade, you got a ball game to get to over at Murfreesboro Central. I got a ball game to get to down in Mount Pleasant. So let us both say a fond adieu. And we will see y'all here at 2 o'clock tomorrow on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Midtown. Talk to you.